right, welcome in to Farzcast. We are doing this live on our Facebook page as well. For those listening to the podcast version, facebook.com slash with Sugian. Kind of do this sporadically, so occasionally we'll uh, do this on our Facebook page as uh, some of you guys have enjoyed uh, seeing some of the podcasts on live on Facebook. So we'll continue to do that from here on out. Uh, I was going to do a podcast a couple of weeks ago, but uh, lost my voice uh, because of the Chiefs-Browns game and the Vegas Golden Knights game uh, right before that. So fun things. But nonetheless, uh, my co-host Zach Segna is here with me. And Zach, I know you're just as, as, as excited as I am for Super Bowl 55. Um, it's it's a long two weeks. Be? It's a long two yeah. weeks, though. Yeah, this little weird in-between week, I can't pretend is my favorite thing in the world because it's definitely not. Yeah, last year, uh, it felt like the longest two weeks in the world. But you know what? We have these two weeks to talk about the Super Bowl, and we're going to talk about it with one of the best. Uh, he is a Chiefs writer for ChiefsDigest.com. He is the also the author of these two books right here, Showtime and At Last. Uh, definitely check them out if you haven't already. Uh, two great reads uh, for any Chiefs fan. Uh, does a great job of covering the Chiefs for ChiefsDigest.com. He has Matt Derrick joining us here on Farzcast. Matt, thank you so much for coming back, man. How have you been? Uh, I've been doing okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You were always much too kind to me. Oh, no, you've been very kind to, to me uh, and all the time that you have uh, set aside to come on this podcast. So uh, uh, the honor's all mine. Uh, definitely appreciate you taking time to uh, to join us, uh, especially, you know, uh, this, uh, this is, I'm sure, a, a very busy week and a half for you as uh, you're always trying to drive up content for the Kansas City Chiefs getting ready for Super Bowl 55. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But uh, you were, by the way, uh, the very first guest on this podcast. I forgot to mention that in, in your in your uh, introduction there. But um, when when you did, See, I come told on, you you weren't doing him justice. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what did I, I know. say <laughs> that was a while ago. That was a while ago. Uh, when uh, when you did come on, this was kind of when you know the pandemic. We were still in the midst of things, and we're still uh, here today. Uh, crazy to think uh, that's still the case. But um, we talked about what it was going to be like for you covering this team with this pandemic and all these COVID restrictions, um, if I'm not mistaken, everything has been exclusive in terms of interviews has been exclusive through zoom, all the press conferences. Uh, how has that been in terms of being a journalist and trying to tell a story about this team? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really been tough for me because you know, with Chiefs Digest, one of the things I've always wanted to try and do is you'll be a place that differentiates, that it's something that you come to Chiefs Digest and you're going to get something different. Um, because, you know, when when I'm covering the Chiefs on a you know regular basis in the past, you know, I go into the locker room. I tend to try and go where the other cameras are not going. You know, I, I try and find other stories because, you know, my take has always been, hey, you can go to the Kansas City Star. You can go to other websites you know, you can go to ESPN, you can get information that, you know, you can get anywhere at those places. So I've always wanted, you know, Chiefs Digest to be where you can get something that you're not going to find elsewhere, you know, that we'll be talking to other players, we'll be looking at other storylines. And that's been absolutely impossible this season. Yeah. Um, because, you know, everything is through Zoom. Um, very, very little in the way of, you know, getting any other conversations that just aren't with 50 other reporters. And, you know, and, and that's it, that's not necessarily, I don't guess, terribly noticeable to most fans, but I do think there's been fewer stories this year. I mean, I think that there's a lot of players that you just haven't gotten to know. Um, even even the Chiefs can't fill those gaps because they've got the same restrictions that we do. I mean, they're their own communication staff and their own reporters that you know work for the team 
don't have any better access than we do. I mean, they can, they can maybe do a few more zooms, but you know, I, I think it's been tough. I mean, there's, there are players in this team that we haven't gotten to talk to this year just because there's not enough, you know, interest to get them on a, on a podium and get them into front of a zoom and everything. And uh, I, that, right. That so me, I got a bite. I can't help it here. Go for it. Of the ones that you, you know, have you, I mean, I guess of the chiefs players that you haven't had a chance to really interact with, who do you want to hear from the most? Like, what's that story that you're like, God, just wait till I get back in that locker room. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I got a lot of conversations I need to have with Tersh on. I need to know a lot more about that guy. Uh, and you know, the rookies in general, I mean, Fair. you know, and you know, here's a tough thing too, is that there's a lot of players who, if you've seen them at a podium, um, you know, and I'm not going to single anybody out cause I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings here and, you know, be, be cruel, but not everybody's great at a podium. There Fair. are guys that you will talk to that one-on-one are like talking to Muhammad Ali. I mean, yeah. they're fantastic interviews, but you put them at a podium and they're not comfortable doing that. Um, I, you could probably outside of Mitchell Schwartz, you could probably put most of the offensive line in that category. Yeah. I mean, you, you get, you get some guys just alone and they're fantastic, but not comfortable at a podium. Well, that, that makes sense. And I'm, just completely shocked to hear that it's the offensive line that is yeah, the, no. yeah least talkative of the bunch. I miss my I miss my offensive line guys because that's usually where I live in the locker room. I'm just bouncing back and forth between those guys because uh, that's that's uh, that's the part of the locker room that you know they do talk, they know everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like I said, one on one, they love you know just you know everybody except fish. Fish could you know he, he tolerates us, but he's he's even warmed up to me over the last couple of years. Well, let me let me ask you this because and it's been a long time since I've done any of the whole media availability kind of thing. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, usually how that stuff works in a non-pandemic situation, you uh, you kind of wait in that uh, media room that they have you in, and someone from the PR staff will call you guys over and say, "All right, you know, you can come by and watch practice, and you'll watch practice for a certain amount. They'll they'll give you like a 15 minute window as to when you can film things." Uh, and then, you know, they just ask you not to film anything and you just kind of watch while you can and take notes and whatnot. Then you get a chance to talk to these guys, uh, as you said, in the podium. Uh, how has that been uh, this season for you guys? Yeah, this year has been completely different. I mean, we've we've had a pool reporter who gets to go to practice. But once again, that's only the, you know, 10 minutes period of stretch. So, you know, for the most part, that's usually just being able to take attendance and see who's there. Um, you've seen the shots, you know, sometimes there's a few photos that will, will pop out or maybe a quick video, especially when some guys hurt and everybody wants to see a glimpse of how they're doing, but, um, that's it. And so, you know, when there's only one person in there that can report out what's happening, you know, you can't, you don't have time to get into a lot of details. So, you know, we're, we're, we're getting less information from practice as it is. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you know, typically in a, in a typical day back pre pandemic, yeah, the chiefs would have, you know, people coming up to the podium. So they would usually have two or three players or, you know, on Thursdays, it's all the coordinators on the podium. And then uh, on Wednesdays and Thursdays, and then during that time, locker rooms also open. And Friday is a completely just open locker room day after Andy reads two or three minutes. Um, so, you know, there's really, you know, uh, our, what, two hours and 15 minutes of being in the locker room access or an hour. Yeah. I'm just probably doing my math wrong here. <laughs> But it's about two hours of, you know, locker room access a week that you don't, you don't have. And, and that's just, I mean, that's two hours of stories a week that could be coming out of the locker room that we just don't get anymore. Well, I was going to ask you too, uh, do you have any idea what Super Bowl 
week is going to be like? Because I know Radio Row is such a big deal. The whole media night is like a big spe- spectacle. It's almost like the Olympics when they're all coming out with this uh, with this great music. Uh, they introduce one team and they interview a bunch of them. If you listen to these radio sessions like Sirius XM, they go real quickly interviewing them for five minutes, then comes the next player. Do you have any idea what that's going to be like this year? Yeah, I, I haven't heard for sure about Radio Row. I don't even know if they're doing it this year. I know they were accepting credentials for it, but I don't know if uh, what the process is. Um, you know, the Chiefs will not be going down to, to Tampa until most likely Saturday. I mean, they got the option of going down Friday or Saturday, but it sounds like they're planning to go down on Saturday before the game. Um, otherwise, just, just to be clear, you're talking the Saturday before Super literally, Bowl. Literally, yeah, 24 okay. hours before the so game. So it's almost like a normal road game for them. Absolutely. Um, And they'll still have their regular media obligations. But, you know, like the the opening night that's become a big deal on Monday, you know, the Super Bowl week will now be all virtual. So you'll have the and it's all going to be Monday morning, afternoon. So it won't be in the evening. Um, There's NFL Network sounds like they're going to take all of the zooms that are done during the day and crunch them up into, you know, three hours of programming that night. Um, but there'll be about 10 Chiefs players and coaches every single day that's going on the podium. So we'll get a little bit of the access. But, you know, last year at the Super Bowl, a typical Super Bowl, you would have two to three media availabilities. Well, three media availabilities where literally every single member of the team was available. Yeah. And that won't be the case this year. I mean, there'll still be plenty of, of information. I mean, there'll still be plenty of availability. Um, but it's it won't be like well, last year. And no, I mean, as far as the Radio Row stuff, um, they may be coordinating things with the teams to, to get players who might do quick hits on on stations across the country. But, yeah, there won't be the, the, the cattle call of, of players and celebrities who can just go in there and go from one station to the next and bounce around. It's just a shame. <laughs> Yeah, you know, to hear, but. I, you know, I, I, from a fan perspective, I would absolutely say that. From my perspective, I am fine with it because <laughs> I think there was, I was only about three hours of last year's Super Bowl week that I enjoyed, and that was the game. The rest of it was a colossal pain. <laughs> uh, fair enough. I, I believe you there. Yeah. Didn't <laughs> and, think about and, it from that perspective, having open, only ever open, been a fan, but I'm with you. <laughs> an opening night is absolutely a bizarre spectacle. I mean, it's, I think about, 50 NF, you know, football reporters and probably 900 morning show radio crews just going around asking crazy questions and dressed in cow suits and dressed as aliens. And I mean, it's a freak show. <laughs> well, I, I, I heard that that whole like media, that Monday opening night spectacle is just it's not really for journalists it's more of like the like the guillermo from jimmy kimmel live like that was the one thing i was excited for because if you've watched him he's always tried to interview lebron james and they've tried to play that up the best they could i was really excited last year to see guillermo talk to the chiefs but i think because uh of the kobe bryant death and the kimmel show being in um in los angeles i guess they opted out of that uh which was unfortunate and and now because of the pandemic we don't get that this year and i'm always a big fan when uh they have Guillermo, when they send guillermo to all these sporting events or uh, award shows to interview um to interview uh uh these uh, athletes and coaches for the big game which by the way that kind of reminds me um obviously the nfl honors uh award show takes place uh do you know if that's still going to be like a traditional award show uh do you know anything about that I haven't heard anything official. Yeah, my understanding, I think, is that it's going to be a, a virtual type of a, a ceremony. So I think okay. it's going to probably have a lot of pre-recorded bits. But yeah, I think it's going to be more virtual than anything else. 
Well, let's go ahead and talk about the Super Bowl. I know we've talked a lot about this pandemic and just kind of how this year has been different. But, uh, you know, uh, one way or another, they're still going to have this football game. Uh, it's been kind of a crazy year. A lot of people talking about the Chiefs not being able to cover the spread in recent games prior to the uh, to the Buffalo game. Uh, but they're finding one ways, uh, or not just one way, many ways to win. Uh, not the most ideal ways. Uh, and I'm sure you've seen a lot of the complaints online from Chiefs fans, but they're winning football games. What is your takeaway with this football team uh, compared to expectations for uh, the 2020 season? Yeah, I mean, they they kind of got here certainly in a different way than they did last year. You know, last season, it was nothing really seemed to click until about week 10, week 11 is when they really caught on fire and and the, the defense really started clicking and they figured things out. Um, and then went on that run this season they've just been consistently good I mean I don't think this team has really had a down period I mean obviously the record reflects that Um, but to me the you know the one score games and and this kind of thing I mean I, I think there's two parts of it I mean one is certainly that they've been getting teams best shots I mean week in and week out everybody's been having this team circled um and that wears on you I mean that's absolutely a you know it takes a toll on a team knowing that every single week you're going to get another team's best shot not every nfl team's going to go out there and play an a game every week so you know you as a as a if you're going to be a playoff team and a, and a world champion you know you got to be able to win with your b and c games and i think that the chiefs have done that and and if anything i mean i think that some of these you know one score games to me didn't feel that way you know the tampa bay in the new orleans games in particular i mean those were pretty thorough efforts that the chiefs put on early that just got close late and they had a couple of those games too where as andy reed would say teams got into all throw mode uh, the miami game another example of of a game that got close late I, I think they had some of those games and and honestly i think even the chiefs went through a period of time there where they weren't bringing their their a game uh, you know a period probably no, we includes- all watched that falcons game I was going to say the Falcons, the Panthers, you know, there were, there were some games in where, where they left points on the field. And, you know, it was, to me, it was, these were always games where they were one score games, but to me, these were games that were, that were two plays away from being chiefs blowouts rather than two plays away that they were losing those games. So I, I didn't feel like a lot of those games were as close as they were, but like I said, once again, I mean, they were winning, taking everybody's best shot, and also playing a very tough schedule, especially in that second half of the season. Absolutely. And I guess you know, one of the things that just, I mean, I hate to just get right into it, but you know, you had mentioned that, you know, you got, um, you know, one of your favorite interviews is generally the offensive line in as far as can attest. That's my biggest concern as we're heading into this. So I, I'd be interested to hear your take, you know, ha- how are we going to manage without Eric Fisher in there? I never thought I'd be saying those words to be fair. Cause he's a player who's, you know, had a, he's frustrated me on more than a few occasions, the inopportune holding calls here and there, but uh, you know, how are we going to manage without him? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think fish has certainly come full circle to getting to a point in his career where I've, I've said it, you know, a couple of times this year to me, if this chief's team, there's, there's players that they can't afford to lose. It's Mahomes, it's Hill, it's Kelsey. To me, number four is Fisher uh, because he's just that important. And this year in particular with the offensive line, with the injuries that they've had and the turnover that they have had, you know, the ability to just let Fish be out there on on his own on an island on the left side, 
has been a real benefit. I mean, because it's allowed them to help out with Allegretti. I mean, he and he's certainly been a very big boost to helping Allegretti come along and developing it in his career. Um, but it's allowed them to maybe, you know, shield protections in other ways. Uh, Mahomes has a lot of trust in Fish. I mean, and when they've also played together as long as they have now, you know, he's got a sixth sense for where Fish is going to be, how he's going to block, how he's going to pick up protections. And yeah, everything's not always perfect, but I think that's a big part of the chemistry of that offensive line and the quarterback is that, you know, Mahomes trusts him and knows where he's going to be. Uh, yeah, I think losing Fish is huge. Now, on the bright side, this is not Mike Rimmer's first rodeo. I mean, he's a veteran. He's been around. He's been in the Super Bowl. I mean, he's got some experience. I don't think he's going to you know, I don't think he's going to blink in the, in the bright lights. I mean, that's that's the good side, but I don't think you can gloss over it. I mean, the Chiefs are going to have to game plan around it. And, you know, whether that is moving the pocket a little bit, whether it's, you know, using the RPO game to freeze the defenses a little bit, um, getting rid of the football faster, I, I don't think they can just go in there with their, their traditional game plan and and act like nothing's long, wrong on the left side. I mean, they are going to have to, to game plan around fish. Now, they can do that. Andy Reid's got two weeks, and I'm not going to bet against anybody with Andy Reid for two weeks to prepare. Fair point. I guess I'm curious. I mean, I know you mentioned Remmers. Is it pretty much you know understood that he's going to be the left tackle from here forward? Is that the general game plan? I'd be really surprised. Of? Yeah, really surprised if it's anybody else. I mean, uh, you know, I think the only other option that they would have would be Martinez Rankin. Um, just That's not the one sure. I was thinking with, of. <laughs> not sure with you know where he's at in the recovery. You know, in his and the time that he's had this year, I don't know if that would be their first choice. I mean, I think that Rimmers is definitely the guy they're going to go with there. Um, yeah. Then I think the answer is, you know, is that, is it solid that, you know, they're going to go with Andrew Wiley on the right side where they've been finishing up games when they've had to make some changes there. I think that'll be the case because if you bring in Wiley that allows over there, it allows you to bring in Wisniewski, which kind of solidifies that interior a little bit. I think that is their strongest combination rather than, you know, if you don't go with Wiley, is that, you know, do you relieve Wiley at right guard and bring Rankin over on the right side, right tackle? it's it, to me, it's probably a little half dozen of one half dozen of another. I mean, you, you could go yeah. either way. Uh, I think they, I think they like Wisniewski enough and they trust that experience enough that they would like to get him in the lineup. And I think they really trust Andrew Wiley. I think they, I think they trust what he can do out there. What's That's the fair. Late, what's the latest okay. you're hearing with uh, Clyde Edwards, Alaire and Sammy Watkins. Yeah, all, all indications are that you know that they're both going to be ready to go. I was a little surprised that the Chiefs didn't get Clyde a little bit more involved against Buffalo, but uh, you know they really didn't commit that much to the run early. And then when they did want to run the football late, there really wasn't any reason to put Clyde in there in a, in a game that wasn't close. So I do apologize. I, I meant to say Le'Veon Bell for some reason. Yeah. Clyde, I was, oh, I was thinking cool. of, but yeah, uh, Le'Veon <laughs> Bell and Sammy yeah. Watkins, yeah. And actually for Bell and Watkins, I think they'll both play. Um, I, I think they were Watkins was probably a little bit closer to playing against Buffalo than, than Bell was. Um, Bell, if you remember, I think it was the Falcons game at the end when, was when he banged up that knee and it's been bothering him a little bit ever since, uh, you know, swallowed up last week. That's why they ended up shutting him down. I think the, the intention there was, Hey, give him a couple of weeks and he should be ready to go over the Super Bowl week. And, Kind of same with Sammy. I think they could have pushed him into that Buffalo game, but they they didn't feel like that they needed him, that they could hold off and and wait one more week. So I guess I'm curious just on that. And I 
when we brought Bell in, I honestly expected him to play a little bit more of a role. How come he hasn't? Any insight on that? I mean, no one's really talked about it. I mean, you know, they, they, they kind of talk around a little bit about the fact that, hey, you know, they, they love Levian. You know, he's fit in great, been a great part of the team. And, and all indications are absolutely that. I mean, as far as a teammate goes, they've gotten everything that they've wanted in Levian Bell. Uh, I think that, you know, you kind of saw a little bit of what was maybe going on with the Jets and everything is that he, he's still a veteran. He's still a good back, but he's not Le'Veon Bell of four years ago. Um, just isn't that guy anymore. And and that's not necessarily a problem. I mean, he is what he is. So if he's just a guy that can, you know, give you 10 or 12 carries on a good day, maybe a little bit more if you need him, or he's a guy that can just spell your starter, I think that's what he is at this point. I mean, I, I don't think that it's been an issue with him picking up the offense or anything of this nature. I, I really just think at this point, it's that Clyde Edwards and frankly, Daryl Williams are probably better backs at this point. Strange to hear that, yeah, Daryl Williams is a potentially better back than Le'Veon Bell. That just sounds funny to hear, but I couldn't agree more. Uh, I don't know. I'm just kind of – go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, I know a lot of Chiefs fans were uh, were asking about this. Uh, Adam Schefter just tweeted, breaking news, that the Chiefs will be wearing their red jerseys. I thought they alternated AFC and NFC teams, but uh, Chiefs get to wear uh, their, uh, their red two years in a row. Yeah, they, they alternate home team and road team, but the, the home team – gets to choose and yeah chiefs were home team last year for the super bowl and they chose the red red tops uh this year buccaneers are so i guess that means that they're going with white i mean i i hope they would go with creamsicle but i guess right <laughs> missed <laughs> opportunity chiefs go with the red i think they're happy with that yeah and then uh, the, the chiefs the chiefs i know earlier for the day put out a video or some photos of getting their uniforms ready so they were the, they were the red tops that they were working on Zach and I, we were talking about this earlier this week. Um, there are a lot of narratives with the Super Bowl, with Tom Brady and the Chiefs' connections. Obviously, he prevented the Chiefs from going to a Super Bowl a couple of years ago in that AFC title game that went to overtime. Uh, on top of that, Andy Reid has lost to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl once before. Meanwhile, Steve Spagnuolo has beaten uh, Tom Brady in a Super Bowl when they were trying to go 19-0. and um, Have you been talking about that or, or – has your audience been asking a lot about that kind of narrative going into this week or next week in Super Bowl? Yeah, I think the the Spagnolo versus versus Brady angle is going to be a pretty big storyline next week. Um, I think you're going to hear an awful lot about Brady versus Mahomes. I mean, there's already been a lot of talk and a lot of questions about that AFC championship game a couple of years ago and, and Brady going into the locker room after the game, you will hear about that ad nauseum. You'll probably be as tired of that storyline as I am by now, but <laughs> it's a, and it's a cool storyline. And honestly, sure. it's a reflection of what I think is real, which is that there's respect there. I mean, this isn't, I, I don't think that it's a issue of Tom Brady and the chiefs hating each other. I think there's a lot of respect. I mean, I know there's respect between, Brady and Mahomes, between Brady and Andy Reid. I think there's even respect between Brady and Spagnolo. So I don't think that there's a, a lot of, you know, anger here. So I'll be interested to see, you know, well, maybe what gets said leading up to the game next week. You know, maybe some guys, some of the more colorful guys on each team that like to talk, <laughs> say something. I mean, I, I don't know if you've heard the latest because <laughs> this just came out earlier today. But I feel like there's already some bulletin board material coming out. I don't know if you've heard the Scotty Miller trash talk yet. No, I missed that one. I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, no. <laughs> he suggested he's quicker than the cheetah. Well, oh. 
That's right. That's yeah. not the right thing to say. No, you don't. I you don't couldn't want to give, agree you more. Don't want to give Tyreek Hill a reason to prove you wrong. I mean, I'm sitting here pretty excited about it. I'm just wondering what they're going to call the special play they draw up, just so he can dust the entire Bucks defense. That'll be the fun part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. After they uh, they used the pirate ship or whatever it was play that they exactly. ran exactly the first time around. Oh, they'll have something. But yeah, yeah, no, no, you don't want to step on Tyreek Hill's cape. What, what's yeah, the, I, I was honestly amazed by it. What's the bigger hot take uh, that uh, he's faster than Tyree Kill or that Josh Allen is better than Patrick Mahomes? Ooh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't get that storyline either. But <laughs> no. there's a reason Matt Hasselbeck only made it to one Super Bowl and didn't do so well in it. So <laughs> no. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Probably so. Uh, uh, Matt, I, I I wanted to ask you because I, I mean we we touched on uh, this pandemic and how things have been for you. Um, one thing I did forget to ask, uh, have you been to any road games and will you be going to, uh, to the Super Bowl for this one? Yeah, I will not. Um, you know, I know that there was actually a few, um, reporters that have traveled from Kansas city early in the season. I did not, I, I opted out, uh, you know, I've, you know, just from a, you know, personal standpoint, I've got some high risk individuals in my family and at home. So that was not something that I was particularly interested in. And the fact that everything has been virtual has really made, you know, going to games as a reporter in a kind of a non-starter. I mean, it's not really been any benefit. And if anything, it's almost a detriment um, given that you've got to, you know, be on the computer to be on a zoom. It's a little bit more difficult to do that at a press box. And, and, and teams have been trying to kick people out too, because they don't want people lingering in the stadiums after games. Um, normally, you know, yeah, normally I, you know, I'd be at the stadium on a normal game day for about 12 hours, you know, maybe sometimes more. So they don't want people in there that long anymore. Um, I know there will be some people from Kansas City who are traveling for this one. Uh, it won't be a lot of people. Um, and then by the end of the season, uh, there were some games where nobody from Kansas City went. Maybe you know, some of the TV crews for the station that was carrying the game. Um, but for the most part, I think by the end of the season, everybody had pretty much shut down travel. Well, I want to ask you one important thing. Um, I, I texted you about this uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, you were a victim of a uh, of a pretty big prank by the one and only Jimmy Fallon. So I don't know if people know this, but ESPN played this great collage. Jimmy Fallon, I guess, got uh, some NFL players, convinced them to just drop some uh, some weird cliches at like random moments. So, for example, DK Metcalf. Uh, he said, um, you know, they're like Pokemon. You got to catch them all, which the eight-year-old in me just was excited to hear that. Uh, and I remember they played a clip of you asking Travis Kelsey a question. Now, do you remember what that – what was the question you asked him? And what was his response? I, I, I think it was leading up to the Ravens game. And I was asking some of the players just, you know, if that week, because the week before I'd had a lot of guys in the locker room tell me that the practice going up to the Ravens game was their worst one of the season. Um, that that was the week that Andy was the hardest on them. And so I, I'd asked Travis if that was the case again this year, that, that Andy was really hard on the team in practice leading up to it. And that's when Travis dropped the roller coaster tycoon line on me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was actually a, a stunt that they did or they just collected all the funny things that guys said. If, if it was, you know, they intentionally gave him that line. I feel very, very used, <laughs> but it was, I, I remember when it happened, you know, uh, we were all talking about it because Travis was, yeah, the whole hang on roller to coaster tycoon was 
the quote of the day. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> that, that, that makes a little bit more sense now, I'm sure, from your, from your perspective, knowing what you know now. Uh, one last important question before we let you go. Uh, is, there a, uh, is there a sequel you can uh, spoil or, or not spoil? Uh, probably nothing that I can spoil, but Fair enough. I think you can, you can rest assured that if Chiefs win, there might be products available after the game. Okay. We can, uh, we can certainly leave it at that. We'll, uh, we'll definitely be buying that along with our, uh, Super Bowl, uh, t-shirts. Hopefully, hopefully. All right. Uh, uh, Matt, you've been so kind to me, uh, over the years and all the times you've been coming on as a guest. Uh, I appreciate you making time for us. I know this is obviously a great time for you and hopefully a little bit more of a, of a calm Super Bowl coverage for you being that you get to be from home and all of that. I know it's going to be a lot different, but, uh, certainly understandable if you're not going to be there, but, uh, on top of that, I know uh, I'm sure you're getting a lot of um, you're, you're you're generating a lot of clicks and views during this time of year. So I, I'm happy for you and big congrats on all of your success uh, getting to cover two Super Bowls, uh, publishing two books, and I'm sure uh, you'll be doing more of that. And we'll uh, we'll be there to uh, follow all of that in the in the future. Well, I appreciate all the support you guys have given. It's been great. You're always very kind to me, and appreciate the support of everybody out there too. Awesome. All right. Matt Derrick. Thank you so much, man. Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest joining us. That'll do it for this episode of Farscast. We will be back next week. Uh, I believe Ryan McKennell of Sirius XM will be joining us. He covers MMA, wrestling, boxing. So we'll talk to him next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Wrestling and MMA the, or MMA the week of uh, you know, the Super Bowl. Is that what I uh, heard you say? Yes. Uh, we'll, we'll do some okay. more Super Bowl Just making stuff. making sure. You know it's, about it's cool. this already. We're, we're doing it's a Zoom deal. Su- we're, do, we're doing a Zoom Super Bowl party next week, so uh, we'll... Uh, I just couldn't we'll, let that go by without saying something. Finish your finish your exit. Well, uh, we'll do a Zoom Super Bowl party next week. We actually got a lot of people that are going to be joining in for us. Zach is part of that, so uh, I'll, I'll share more details on that next week. But until then, big thanks to Zach for co-hosting this with me, and a big thanks to Matt Derrick for joining me on this episode of Cast. We will talk to you guys next week. Take care.